Everybody, thank you for listening to the Vessel Student Ministries podcast today. This is a product of the Vessel Student and Hyphen Ministries at the Pentecostals of Louisville in Kentucky. Uh, comment if your podcasting app there on allows it. Please rate this and share it with someone that you think it will bless. Our email is linked. We have youth classes every Wednesday at 7 o'clock. We have a youth event just about every Friday. And so if you haven't joined us in person and you're able to, please come on by. We'd love to see you. We hope you're blessed by the sermon today. In Jesus' name, bye. take a moment everybody lift their hands in this place he is my shield he is my defender God's presence is so strong right now Jesus name we believe that you still do miracles we believe that you still free those that were bound we claim it Jesus name we still plead the blood over our families we haven't lost the ability to break through some chains you're still mighty You're still wonderful. You still are my shield and my refuge. Yes, in Jesus' name. Oh, Jesus' name. I have no exit strategy for this sermon, so we're just going to do this and see how it turns out. This was a burden that I got started with a vision, my very first vision, and I'll share that with you later. So if I act a little unhinged because I'm a little shook by Jesus, if you'd open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 30, I'm going to read verse 6. If you have it, say, praise the Lord. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. I'm going to read in the ESV, and then I'm going to borrow a statement from the KJV that you see on your screen because it, it fits it better. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter in soul. He's at Ziklag, and his family was there, and these men are on the run with him from Saul. These men trusted him, and the Philistines have taken David's family and all of his men, and so men that fought with him are ready to kill him. He's for his sons and daughters. They all wept. But David encouraged himself in his God. And David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. I felt God begin to speak something through me. And I'll be honest with you today about the hard time I was going through. And God began to shout something in my mind. Encourage thyself, encourage thyself, encourage thyself. And if you notice, God doesn't say a thing to David in this moment. There's no miraculous intervention that we think that God should do if he loves us. He does not say, David, don't give up. David, remember what I did for you. God is silent. There's no intervention. And David, all alone, begins to encourage himself in God. And I asked the praise team on our altar call to sing a song that most of you will not know, but it's very simple. The statement is, I believe in you. I believe in you. You do miracles, the impossible. And I ask that because when I began to pray over this, I could hear David saying those words. As the smoke of Ziklag is burning and he's all alone and people have left him, I could see David saying, you know what? I believe in you. I believe in you. You still do miracles. I will not forget about Goliath. I feel broken now and you're quiet on me, God, but I will not forget what you've done for me. He encouraged himself in God. You still do miracles. I believe in you. So today I'm preaching on the topic, encouragement, fan the flame. Encouragement, fan the flame. Would you lift your hands to me in this moment? In Jesus' name, Lord, speak to us. Shape us. Allow gifts to be loosed in this place. Allow the body to move in one accord. Let the hand gifted with healing heal. And let the mouth gifted with the words of, word of knowledge speak it today. Let tongues and prophecy and everything be cut loose. Move in our lives. Rekindle some things in our lives. In Jesus' name, the church says, amen. Amen. 
Sunday afternoon, I, I knew I was going to have to preach this coming Sunday, and I was talking to Brother Devin about all the sermons I felt led to preach. And, and usually when I get asked to preach up here, God hits me pretty quickly, and I felt a little disturbed that I didn't have a sermon yet. I had the sermons, but I didn't know what to do. There's something worse than having no options is having too many options, just anxiety. Well, I don't need a whole lot of, you know, deep, dark things in my life to just wreck my identity and ruin my confidence. Just a bad Monday, and that's all it takes for me to just melt. <laughs> I don't need a list of sins or drug addiction. You just leave me alone with me, and I'll have a breakdown by myself. So we had a holiday Monday, Martin Luther King Day, and I, so I walked up to go pray and then find God. And, and it did not go well, y'all. <laughs> I said, Lord, please, you know, guide and lead. I know you love me. And, but it took a turn for the worse, and I didn't feel God at all. I had no clarity. I didn't know what I was going to say. And then I began to think about, you know, cares of life. There's Youth Congress coming up, and that's like, I'm like a PTA mom when that happens. It's crazy. I feel like a, a, a project manager at a company when that happens. So I got stressed about that. And all of a sudden, three hours go by, prayer, and I don't feel, I'm more of a carnal jerk when I left the prayer room than I was when I walked in. And so I knew I had to get ready to go eat lunch with mom and dad, and, and I wasn't feeling, I was like, I'm giving up ministry. I can't do it. Like, I'm not called. I don't, do I even have the Holy Ghost? Like, literally, I was like, I can't feed my daughter. If God rejects me, what am I going to do? I have no talent or job experience. On my way down, I got alone with God. And I began to cry. And you're going to have to trust me. I began to hear God speak. And God just said one statement. Encourage thyself. Encourage thyself. Encourage thyself. And he led me back to this chapter about David at Ziklag. And I realized that God did not say a word for David. And we can take it, you know, we can understand if David gave up here, right? God didn't help David. God didn't intervene. God didn't say live right. God didn't say don't give up. God didn't show up in the moment of addiction. Like why didn't God not help? And God, he speaks to me so plainly sometimes. He told me right then, I am not your motivational speaker. I am not your, your, your probation officer. I build the altar of faith through my word. And I give you the power, the fire of my Holy Ghost. And you get on said altar with life and repentance. But once I give you all the pieces, you got to keep the fire alive. I won't show up in every moment. You got to encourage yourself. I give you callings. And I give you freedom. And you got to keep it alive. You got to tend the flame. See, in the Old Testament, God built altars. They were of brick and, and stone, and they were a pillar, and, and God would show them how to build it. He'll talk you through it. And he told them what to sacrifice, an animal, and, and, he, he, and he dropped, you know, fire. In some stories, he dropped the fire, and the fire represented the Holy Ghost that you and I have. And now spiritually, the New Testament says that you're now the sacrifice that that animal was. Your life, your repentance, your willingness. And the altar of stone, it represents the truth of God. He built truth, a foundation, salvation. What is God? Who is God? It's all built. It's the altar. And so God will build altars with you. And God will show you how to get on the altar. But once he gives you the fire, he tells you to tend it. Paul told Timothy, Timothy, the Holy Ghost has put something inside of you. And I saw it spark when I laid hands on you. But now, Timothy, it's going. But you got to fan into flame the gift the Holy Ghost has put inside of you. Timothy, God built your freedom and God gave you peace. And it's working, but you got to keep it alive. It's not God's job to keep you with courage. It's not God's job to keep you believing. That statement, encourage, what's, how is it different from the word courage? Encourage, it denotes personal responsibility. Encourage, meaning I go to where I need and I take in courage. I go back to that verse and I grab it and I put it back in my heart. I go back to praise. I go back to worship. I go back to my prayer closet. I go back to the well and I get it back into me. It's personal stewardship. Encourage. Nobody puts courage in you unless you take it. You are the steward of your own self. And God was telling me, you've mixed up our job descriptions. You're confused. You think I've abandoned you. I'm not there at every need just saying, hey, it's okay. You can do it. I believe in you. No, he wants me to say, God, you know what? I believe in you, and I trust you. You tell God what you believe when God doesn't say anything. It changes things. Now, some of you are like, man, is he preaching about affirmation? Like, is this the secret? Like, what's going on here? So affirmation is a mechanism that God built that society has, has borrowed and tainted. 
We're all scared of it now. The key statement, encourage yourself in the Lord. David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. The world has taken affirmation. They've taken it out of God. And so we have gratitude lists and we have self-help gurus. And we repeat our blessings and our talents. And we feel a spark for a moment. But it's like junk food. You, your blood sugar settles for a little bit. But when you're 50, you feel the pain of not having the real thing. You know what I'm saying? So when you put affirmation, you put faith, you put declaration back in God. And all of a sudden, you're cooking with fire, y'all. Something begins to happen. What did David do? Whew. He began to tell God in his brokenness all that he knew about God. You know what, God, you're one, and you're mighty, and you're holy. You know what? If you help me slay a Goliath as a young person, you help me slay a lion and a bear when I was all alone, I'm not giving up on you now. He began to rekindle what he knew about God. But here's what we think. Why? Why do that? God knows who he is, and God knows that I know who he is, so we don't have to say it. Every relationship begins to fail when you know, they know how I feel about them. They don't have to say it. God knows but God is not the only person hearing you when you begin to remind God who you know him to be. And God is not the only person hearing you when you say, you know what, you blessed me and you helped me and you freed me. Somebody else is listening on to the conversation. It is your own humanity. See, there's two people fighting within you. Even before you got the Holy Ghost. See, the Bible says that God put a desire within us to be right. But your humanity fights. So you have these two people trying to kill each other every day. And when you got the Holy Ghost, God tilted the scales with his spirit. He gave you the power to change that fight. And the problem is every day they're fighting. When you begin to tell God things that you believe for years and you haven't said in a long time, you begin to speak to the weakest part of you, your humanity. And when you begin to get that spirit man and spirit woman more convinced, it breaks through the human part. And all of a sudden you have joy. You can't stop telling him how he blessed you three years ago. And you can't stop thanking him for his family because it's not just about God hearing it. You've got to show yourself, I am not alone. I have been blessed. I have been washed because your humanity will forget. That's how you break your flesh. Paul said, I die daily. It meant I threw so much faith at my human part that he had to go hide because he was broken. I can't compete with you. You're right. God's been too good. I can't mess with you today. He changed everything. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Psalms 42. David is praying. And David says this, I love this psalm. As a deer thirsts or pants after rivers of, of water, so my, my soul thirsts and pants after you. There's, a, there's that good part of David. There's the, the good spiritual man wanting God. But he seems a little quiet in this verse when you read the whole thing. Because like, he says this, when can I feel God again? When can I see God again? I, I can't wait to feel God again. It's been so long. In the next verse, he says, all that I've had for food are my tears and my pain. All that I've had is my suffering and my confusion. And my suffering and my confusion speak to me. And they say, who's they? His human part. The spiritual man is like, it's all broken. Lord, I, I thirst for you. Lord, can I find you again? And then the, the carnal part is saying this, where is God? That's what he said. They say to me, where is your God? And David addresses himself. He says, wait a second. Soul, why are you so sad all the time? Human part, why are you so broken all the time? I'm calling you out. I've noticed that if I leave you alone long enough, you'll always forget. And you'll always think I'm broken. I'm now no longer going to believe my worst days. I'm calling you out, putting you on notice. I will believe in God. You've got to stop believing your worst moments and your weakest days. Because there are two people fighting to mentor you. And you've got to stop believing in the one. You see, we think Sunday you feel God. Oh, Lord, I, I believe in you. And that's the spiritual person. But on Tuesday, we, you know, we get carnal. And all of a sudden, there is the carnal person. And the carnal person has to pay bills and has to raise a family and has to be responsible. And so we equate the thoughts of the carnal person to be rational and practical. And, and you know, you pay the bills and keep things going. And so we feel kind of ashamed of what we declared in faith on Sunday. You know, I got a little overwhelmed. There's a lot of good singing. And I got a little hyped on Jesus. But, you know, I almost split the middle. Because, you know, it, right now I realize I was a little faulty. I was a little misguided. And David is saying, I stopped believing that. I learned that I'm fighting against myself. Because if I leave myself alone, I'm my worst enemy. 
if you leave yourself alone, that's why we preach about prayer. That's why, not, not to earn God's love. That's why we preach about reading the word, not to earn God's love. It's to go back and say, I'm not believing you today. I'm going to get my mind right again. I'm going to encourage myself in God because I can decide who I think through today. David says this. Where is your God? They say to me. And as I pour out my soul, I, I tell God all the pain. I tell God all the brokenness. I tell God all the shame. I get it out of me. I begin to remember that wonderful time I had in church leading God's people and worshiping before the throng of God's people. As I got the poison out of me, you know, Lord, I feel scared. And I doubted you last week. And I sinned. As I get it out of me, all of a sudden, it gives way to remembrance. And I get thankful again. And I rekindle my vision again. And I feel joy again. I remember who worshiped next to me. I remember the prayer times. I remembered it. But you've got to get it out of you. You've got to get that poison that wells up just by being alive out of you. Here's why we can have empty praise. You're jumping and you're worshiping, but you feel like a shell of yourself. It doesn't click. Something's wrong. It's because you haven't given yourself enough grace to tell God in the prayer room or at home enough saying, you know, I do have fear. And you know, I do have doubt. And you know, I doubt you more than sometimes I act. Lord, here it is. Take it from me. Take the pain. Take the poison. Take the cancer. And then when it's out of me, I remember life. I remember joy. I remember peace. I've encouraged myself again. Get honest with God and tell him about it. Because then you can have life again and joy again. Don't be ashamed. If you read Psalms, David has like issues, y'all. He's like double-minded. The beginning of every Psalm, Lord, why'd you abandon me? You don't love me? And by the end of every Psalm, I never doubted you, God. You're so faithful. God allows you to see David's humanity. What happened was David walked in broken. He got in his prayer room, and by the time he left, he was thinking differently. God is not the one that has to convince me. I have to fan my own flame and get my mind right again. I won't give up on the altars. I won't give up my callings and my dreams. Whew. Jesus. Can you lift your hands right now? Let's put a pin in this right here. Jesus' name, allow our faith to rise. Allow us to be good ground, God. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Joshua was the new leader of Israel. Moses has went on. And so, it's very important. The first generation of Israel with Moses didn't believe that they could make it in the promised land. So God says, hey, I'm going to send you back out for 40 years. And you're going to die off. Okay? And so Joshua's back with all the youngins, the next generation. That means that everybody that saw God split the Red Sea was either really young or, was, or everybody that, that was alive had either was really young when God split the Red Sea or they weren't even born yet. So it's stories. It's vague memories. You remember when God used to like heal the blind? Remember when God used to get people with the Holy Ghost like the first time they stayed? You remember that? Well, my parents told me about it and that was pretty, that was pretty cool. And then either they, they, they never, it was just stories. It became legends. And so God does something very special with this new group of youngins. He says, Joshua, take the Ark of the Covenant. And when you walk up to the Jordan River, I'm going to part it like I did the Red Sea. God pulled out his greatest hits collection. He played it back one more time to remind everybody how good it felt to be alive then. <laughs> and so they walked through on dry ground. And he told them, now listen, I remember how doubtful your parents got. They forgot about the Red Sea. So I want you to take one stone for every tribe. There's 12 tribes of Israel. And when you get across, you're going to build your own altar or a pillar. Why? So one day when you're walking in your promised land and you feel afraid and lonely, when you go back and see that pillar, you'll remember, wait a second. If God split the Red Sea for my parents and God split the Jordan, sea for, for, the Jordan River for my family, then God can drop anything in my life. But it wasn't just about them. God said this. So one day, when you're walking with your sons and your daughters, and you go back to the moment you felt God, you can remind them, if God did it for them, and God did it for me, God will drop any giant. God will drop any walls. You go back to the place that you felt it. You rekindle. You remember. And it will be real again for you and those around you. That's why you go back to the prayer closet every day. 
That's why we come back to church. You gotta go back to the altar. You gotta go back to the verse. You gotta go back to praise and worship. You gotta go back to the memory and remember how good God's been. You've got to encourage yourself in the Lord. You've got to encourage yourself, Lord. That's why Jesus told the disciples, don't worry about what you say. I'll bring it back to your remembrance. We think that means that they didn't have to study or prepare. God was just like, here, say this. No, no, no. I'll bring back to your remembrance, meaning what God put in them long ago would come back when they were all alone. See, God allowed them to learn and grow. They had experiences with God. They had teachings from Jesus. And so he's saying, when you're all alone, I'll bring it back out of you. When you go back to that moment, it will come back alive. What does that look like for you? It means that you read your Bible, right? You pray. And like a week, a week goes by, and all of a sudden you feel a, a, a remembrance. You, that there's a chapter that touched me. There's a sermon that blessed me. And you go back, and you begin to read it, and you don't know why you felt that. And then all of a sudden you get around that lost family member. And all of a sudden, weeks have gone by when you've forgotten about that moment and they ask you a question or they're hurting and they get honest with you. And God brings back to your remembrance what you just put back in your heart. And all of a sudden, you're prepared for a moment you wouldn't have been prepared for if you hadn't went to the pillar in the first place. And all of a sudden, there's peace and there's life and there's clarity. He didn't just make it happen for them. They had to build it. They had to go back to it. They had to keep the fire alive. Jesus, God says, come to me all that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Key statement, come to me. Not that I come to you. You want rest, come back to rest. You want joy, come back to joy. You want peace, come back to peace. You got to go back to the same thing that got you the first time. Go back to the verse. Turn back on that song. Bend your knee again. Make the same commitment. You keep it alive. God doesn't keep it alive. You keep it alive. God keeps you the altar built, but you keep your vision alive. Jesus' name. You keep it alive. I, um, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I, I want to be very applicable. I want to share that I, I use what I preach. Probably a good thing for you to know, right? Comforts you that I'm not a hypocrite. I use what I preach. So, I was having, you know, the, the hard day I mentioned earlier. <laughs> and... Uh, I have a list of names, and it's pretty much everybody in this room. And I, ha- I have this list of names, and I have a list of blessings that I want to I wanna remember. And I just feel pre- pre-forgotten, right? I was like, man, I just can't do it. I just, I, I, I'm all alone. I just can't do it. And God spoke to me, and he said, Elijah. I was like, oh, man, you just went from my heart. Elijah called down fire from heaven one day, and a couple days later, I'm all alone. I, I can't do it. You, you don't love me. You don't help me. And God's like, I, I just charred all those people for you, and you won't believe in me? Like, okay. And you won't believe what God spoke to me. We don't talk that much. Like, we don't have a, a, a consistent relationship, okay? So it's not like a recency bias thing. God spoke to me, Sister Margie's name. And I began to remember meeting Sister Margie at the old church when she did children's church with us when I was like, you know, 10, 11. And I began to remember how Sister Margie prays and worships and comes to church. And I was like, I don't talk to Sister Margie that often. And I, I may be guilty of forgetting who worshiped next to me. But I began to feel a rekindling in my spirit because I began to remember. And I turned the page and God said to Elijah, you're not alone. I got 7,000 other people just like you. And what God was telling me, you're not alone. Look around at who dances next to you. Look at your church. Look who's faithful. You're not alone. Remember who God's put in your life. Don't forget about the church. Don't forget about your brothers and sisters. Go back and remember and get your faith back. You see, you are a vessel of God's power in somebody else's life. And we want to get rid of the vessels. I hate this lie. All I need is God. God doesn't think that. God wouldn't have given you each other if all you need is God. God says you need me and everybody I put in your life. You can't have God without the church. You can't have God without the body. You got to value each other. You got to remember each other. Because they have been the hand for God in your life. They have been the voice. They've been the grace. Jesus' name. If you made a list, 
We have list God. Thank you for the car. Thank you for the blessing. Thank you for the job. Thank you for the healing. Make pray over your brothers and sisters as if they're the best blessing God's ever given to you. And all of a sudden, you'll be so grateful, you'll never have a bad day. You'll be so happy and thankful that God just blesses you so much. I got 200 reasons to not be broken. I got 200 reasons to not give up. I got 200 reasons to not give in. If God does nothing left, I've got all of you to remind me what God's been in my life. Hallelujah. Jesus name. Jesus name. Jesus name. Worship you, God. Oh, remember, remember, I believe in you. I believe in you. I remember what you've done. Say with me, can you keep the spirit alive? Can you keep this alive? I gotta share the vision because God doesn't just give me visions every given day, okay? This whole sermon started because God gave me this vision, okay? I didn't, like, it didn't come after. I was thinking about altars, okay? God stopped me and I saw a field and I saw hundreds of altars. And it was dusk, the sun was setting over the horizon. And have you ever seen a winter day that's so cold that there's a blue haze over the landscape? Like it's so cold, everything looks blue. And I saw every altar with a fire and a sacrifice. And as the sun began to set, I began to hear the extinction of every fire. Tush, tush, tush. And I felt such a burden. And I asked God, why do altars die? Why do people quit? Why do dreams get quenched? Why do they go away? Why do people backslide? And God spoke to me what started this whole sermon, the same statement. I build it, and I ignite it, and you tend it. You must keep it alive. And he, oh, he told me, we keep wanting greater new altars for revival, for miracle signs and wonders. God, I want a platinum altar. I want a new fancy new model altar. And God is saying, it's not new altars. You just have to keep them alive. The gifts of the Spirit don't come from starting something new. Keep the prayer life alive. Keep the joy alive. Keep the identity alive. I'm not giving you anything more. You just got to keep it alive. Do you realize that if every backslider could have learned to just keep it alive, we would be 800 people strong. We'd be talking about how good God is. We'd be popping out of the, out of the seams of this church. It'd be amazing. And we did nothing fancy but keep the fire, fan the flame, keep the joy, keep the faith. Nothing special, just maintain. We all know that if you and I could keep alive when we feel moments like this, there'd be so many miracles. There'd be so much sin avoided if we just could, when God hands you the baton, if we just could keep it alive. And so the next Sunday, we don't start over, we just fan the flame. And the next Sunday, we don't start over. It just gets brighter and bigger, more clarity, more peace, more revival. You just got to fan it. You just got to fan it. Why don't you fan it right now? Just take a moment right now. Remember that first time you were using that gift. Remember the peace you felt the first time. Why don't you fan it back? Why don't you bring it back to life? It's not God's job. Remember when you felt called? Remember when you got free? Remember when you felt whole? Why don't you bring it back to life? The altar's still there. It's just grown cold. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. 
God, I thank you for Brother Reed. I thank you for Brother Weisshart. I thank you for Brother Russell. I thank you for Brother Wilbert. I thank you for every brother and sister who's ever blessed me. I thank you for every young person who's ever blessed me. I thank you for every time I've ever worshiped in church and someone laid hands on me. I thank you for the sister at the door. I thank you for the brother that taught me in Sunday school. I thank you, God. I thank you, God. I thank you for my parents. I thank you for my wife. If you give me nothing else, I thank you. I remember your goodness and your kindness all the days of my life. Go down the list. Recount the names. Can we all stand? This is the altar call. I'm not going to go through the whole drill. You know how this works. You can come down. You can sit. But you have to take ownership right now of your own state of mind. You have to take a hold of that altar again. If, if I'm going to believe, I have to decide. And if I'm going to see that healing through and that dream through, I have to keep it alive. Man, I feel God's presence so strong in this place. God is passing out spiritual fans in this place saying, fan the flame. Fan the flame. Fan the flame. So right now, I want you to go ahead and come down. If you're, if you're wanting to come down, go ahead and come down with me. I'll take five. I'll take whoever's willing to come down. And if, we, if you're where you're at, pray with us. Since you don't know this song, we're going to turn this song into a prayer. You'll learn it really quickly. And when we begin to sing this, I want you to lift your hands. And I want you to declare it with everything that's in you. This is your, this is your David and Ziklag moment. Because everything you want from God does not come from God dropping something new. It's just from keeping it alive. Are you ready? Could you lift your hands with me? Can you sing this with us? Can you declare it? Make this your prayer? You are powerful, God
heart, every calling, bring it back to life. I did this at a prayer meeting one time and I felt kind of bad like it was a bad move to make because I knew I put you on the spot I said uh, for the next you know 10 minutes I want you to tell God all that he is repeat every fact you've ever learned and watch as your faith grows someone said you know it was kind of hard to remember in that moment but I don't learn my lesson and so without the music before we end this thing can we all I'll lead you out and when I say Jesus name I just want you to take a moment and tell God everything you know about Him. I want you to take a moment and just lose yourself. Go back to praise. Go back to worship. Go down the names. Go back through every person and you'll value them in a way you never valued. I just want you to press through that and just say, God, I remember. Right now, in Jesus' name. God, I pray you rekindle every heart. God, I pray you rekindle every mind. God, I pray that everybody remembers the first time they felt that calling. Where are the gifts? Where are the hands of healing? Lord, they're in the room. God, you've already put it in there. The altar must be kept alive. I pray you help them remember that they were called to prophecy, that they were called to the word of knowledge. It's there. The altar's standing. It's just got to come back alive. I pray they remember who you blessed them with. I pray you bring it back to their life. There's altars scattered everywhere, and they're waiting to come back to life. You're already called. You're already blessed. I already see healing. I already see the gifts of of tongues and interpretation it's already there you've already got the altar just pray it back in life Jesus. We thank you, Jesus.
everybody's had their chance to prophesy to our church. And when I was praying over this, I felt like I had permission to, to say things. This will not sound new to you, but I, this is what God rekindled inside of me. That initial thought that God showed me of altars and saying, no new altars, just keep them alive. That is the promise of our church. That is what God is telling us. And there's so much guilt because we're holding stones thinking God has to make us build something new. And there's so much guilt. Why aren't we growing? Why aren't we changing? We think we're inadequate. We're going back and trying to build something new. And God is trying to tell us, you have found the end of your sacrifice. You have built adequate altars. And now, just stay. Just fan the flame. And there's so much guilt in this room. By the body, there's so many gifts that are in this house. And you're thinking, for me to be used, I've got to let God build something new. You already found it. God already built it. You just got to keep fanning it. Stop feeling so inadequate. You've already got the altar and the fire. You just got to keep the courage. Jesus' name, thus saith the word of the Lord.
Thank you, Jesus. And only, only you and I can fan the flames. Amen. He's given us the fire. He's given us the altar. Amen. But the intensity of the flame is predicated on our passion and our desire. Amen. Amen. And our hunger for God. Let me tell you, God is wanting to do great things. Amen. The church is, has been positioned in this hour to be a city set on a hill. Amen. The climate and our culture and just the fevered pitch that society is in today. Let me tell you, the church is looking really good. Amen. And I tell you, we have been making our way through the pandemic, making our way through COVID and several months. We had online church and then we've come back and we're just slowly getting back to what feels like a sense of normalcy and still distancing and trying to be careful and it's you know still affecting Sunday school and things like that and we're, we're putting the pieces back together so it's starting to feel a little more normal in all of this if we're not careful I know I know it has done this um, but we've been pretty inward focused because well we've been taking care of ourselves We've, we've been worried. We've, we've been safe. We've been cautious. Um, we've been sober, making sure that, you know, we're, we're, we're staying healthy. And so we've, over the last nine, ten months, we've been pretty much focused on kind of just our own little circle and our own little bubble and what's happening in our little sphere. But I just, I want to remind you that there are people right now that we work with that we live next to that we rub shoulders well we don't rub shoulders with anybody right now do we but people that we encounter every day that that are hungry for God that are hurting that are broken that that need what you feel in this church on every Sunday and every Wednesday I think that it's time for us to start fanning the flame so that it not only just affects us, but that it starts affecting people outside. It's time. I, I heard a, a minister preaching on Facebook. He was preaching at a conference this past weekend. And he said there wasn't a day last week. Um, he was preaching on Friday. And he said he got a call before the service that on Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, they baptize somebody every day at the church. Because, you know, well, that can't happen right now. Well, it's happening. Amen. People are looking for direction and, and, and people are afraid. Patterns have changed and, and people, are, people are open and, and they're looking for God. And he said, in the middle of a pandemic, we baptized somebody every single day last week. He said, so quit telling you that we have to wait to have revival. Lose that mentality. Amen. And what Brother Griffiths preached today was is that we don't need anything new. We don't have to rebuild the altars. and I mean, we don't have to go back and build new altars. We have to repair altars from time to time. But we don't, we don't need, like he said, a platinum-covered altar. God's already given us what we needed. If we'll fan the flame personally and it all goes back to what we've been preaching on the last month or so is that everything that we need to be able to reach Louisville is going to come out of a heart and come out of a life that is in love with God you want people to witness if somebody's in love with the Lord they're going to share him you want people to praise and worship somebody deeply in love with the Lord is going to praise and worship you want people's heart turned back to prayer you get people falling head over heels in love with the Lord, and they'll want to spend time with him. Amen? Amen. So all these things are kind of pushing us in the same direction. And so let me just admonish you. Don't Share your testimony. Invite, invite people to church. Me and the Merritt rubbed shoulders with a gentleman this week and uh, we in, in, invited him to church and, and uh, told him that you know, we were uh, doing um, uh, assigned seating. But he, I said, just show up. We'll make a place for you. 
just if you come, we'll we'll get a safe place for you to be able to come um, to church. Amen. So let's let's start focusing on that. God, it's 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 revival time in Louisville, Kentucky. Amen. So let's lose the bunker mentality, right? Let's lose that kind of. Let's just hold back and. We'll have to wait for things to get better. While we're waiting for things to get better, people still need the Lord. And, and God's not bound by our outside circumstances. Amen? If that was the case, the early church wouldn't have got anything done. But in spite of those circumstances, the church grew and the church flourished. Amen? The greater the obstacles, the more people were getting baptized. The greater the persecution, the more people were getting filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen? And if God did it back then, He can do it again if we'll just what? If we'll fan the flame. Amen? He'll do it. Amen? It's revival time. Look at somebody close to you and say, it's revival time. It's revival time in Louisville, Kentucky. Amen? No excuses. No more waiting for the time to get right. It's time for souls to be added to the church. Amen? So we got to change our paradigm. And that's what Brother Griffiths was talking about today. We just gotta, we've got it here. Let's just flame it, change our paradigm, get our focus renewed, and start reaching out. Amen. God bless you. We love you today. Thank you, Brother Merritt. Thank you for, for that wonderful message today. Amen. We'll see you Wednesday. God bless you. Remember, next Sunday, special Sunday, going to be the launch, new name. We have a bunch of merchandise. We, it's gonna, we're going to have a lot of fun next Sunday. So don't miss it. God bless you. Yes. The website will be down for a few days, but it'll be back up with the new logo and every the good stuff. So we'll we'll see you see you Sunday.